No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Uh, right now, everybody, this is Michael Hellickson with Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. I am super excited to be here today with my co-host, Brian Curtis from Bentonville, Arkansas. Uh, as you guys know, Brian is a baller in Bentonville, did 330 transactions or more last year, something like that, and uh, for just over a million and a half of GCI, uh, Brian's team crushes it. Brian also has expansion teams all over the country, uh, and of course, Brian is a coach with Club Wealth. In fact, he's one of our top coaches, uh, and this is a guy that I've always believed that for, if, if you want to learn something about real estate, you need to be listening to Brian Curtis because this guy knows what he's talking about. So, uh, And he loves it when I go, gush about him and go on and on and on about how great he is. Uh, and by the way, uh, Terry LeBlanc, Don Orson, Don Neufeld, it's good to see you guys on. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. And so today we have our special guest is Brandon Nelson. Brandon is an agent in uh, Bellingham, Washington, up there in Ben Kenny's market. Shout out to Ben Kenny. And uh, so Brandon did last year uh, about a million six on uh, primarily referral transactions. Is that right, Brandon? Yep, about 80% repeat and referral. 80% repeat and referral. How many transactions did that equate to? 144. 144 transactions, almost, prim- uh, well, 80% of which was referral. So I'm stoked. I can't wait to hear a lot of the stuff that you're doing uh, by referral. So I appreciate you coming and joining us today. So, so Brandon, why don't we do this? Why don't you tell us just a little bit more about you and what makes you and your team so special? And then Brian and I are going to dive right in with questions for you. Okay, awesome. So we're an independent brokerage, uh, started Brandon Nelson Partners in 2015. I did uh, five or so years with the Remax, a year and a half with the KW, and then launched uh, this firm. There's seven of us total. Uh, everybody's licensed here, but Grace is our admin. She's uh, in the office transaction coordinating and doing all our marketing and so forth. And then there's six of us that are still in production. I'm still in production. Uh, and, but, but as my team gets better and better and better, uh, I'm, I'm realizing now I'm about to uh, begin phasing out because it's, it's a disservice if I put myself in front of the clients versus them. We can get to that later. Um, my background is pretty unique for real estate. I was a, a builder. I was a carpenter. I was a general contractor. And then when I moved to Washington in 03, I became a home inspector. I did that for three or four years and then got into the real estate sales side of it. So I've got a pretty extensive background in residential construction. And that's been really helpful, to be honest. I mean, I really know my product. So uh, that's that's kind of a, a nutshell for you. So tell me, no, go ahead, Brian. It looked like you had a question, or did you? No. Okay. Ahead. So I tell me, how does that? And you said that new construction, that excuse me, that construction background has helped you a lot in the business. Tell me how that's helped you to develop your referral based business. Imagine if you can remove um, uh, doubt and uncertainty and uh, uh, not really sure what we're looking at here in front of your buyers and sellers, where you can walk in and just see with X-ray vision what's going on in their place. When you understand, you know, selling real estate is about creating an emotional experience for the buyer. Can we agree with that? Yeah. So when you can walk into a, into a listing a presentation and just as you're walking around and seeing the layout, I'm scanning what that inspector, you know, had on as well. And then getting back to that table and saying, guys, there's how you live in a house and there's how you sell a house. Two different things. So today marks the time when we're going to stop living in the house and treating it that way, we're going to optimize it for sale at top dollar. And what we're going to do is look at the things that appear as damage and we're going to, we're going to mitigate those things. We're going to fix those things because buyers will always multiply the real cost of repair by five or 10 times in their head. You walk them through this stuff. This is not stuff that a normal agent knows or, or, or coaches on necessarily. And so when there's that level of, when you can, when you can, sort of predict the outcome with the seller to that level and then and then go through all the steps, put them in touch with all the people that are required to get that house to that state. There's many as 16 different professionals that might be involved in a real estate transaction. 
you're at the hub and you're putting all that together, handling all the details, and you accurately predict how the sale is going to go, how many days it's going to sell in, give or take, how it's going to escalate, and it all unfolds like you said, then they're, it's, you know, it's fabled service, to use one of the modern terms, and they tell their friends. And you know, we have, I think as of yesterday, we had 279 reviews on our uh, Zillow profile, and every single one of them is five stars. So it's, uh, it's, it's it, you know, the concierge level of service, uh, and I just gave you a small example, but that just, in a small town like Bellingham, less than 90,000 people, that word just spreads. So I want to know more about that concierge service. Give me some more examples of specific things that you do that cause, and, and I'm asking, for for example, because of like Josh Zollinger is on, on right now watching us, and Josh is in a high-end market down in California, and that concierge level of service is really important to him. I'm curious. What are some specific things you're doing to accomplish that? At the simplest, simplest level, running, deciding to run a repeat and referral business versus a cold lead generation and conversion business is about taking the group of people you already know, okay, let's call it your A-list, and then staying in front of them and in touch with them in a genuine and sincere and friendly way. It's, that's what it boils down to at its simplest, okay? So then... It's how, how do we stay in touch with those people over time? Obviously, live conversations. And I'm going to use a lot of the terms that Larry Kendall developed with the Ninja Selling because that's the platform that I like to follow. Uh, so I don't know if you're aware of Ninja Selling at all, but Larry's, Larry's Ninja Nine, the Ninja Nine is, one of them is 50 live conversations a week, right? So a live conversation is a phone call or a face-to-face. It's not a voicemail. It's not an email. It's not even a handwritten card, 50 live conversations a week. So staying in touch with that group, I have about 700 people on my A-list, so to speak, people that have referred me or would refer me. So it's, it, it is the, it's, it's getting in front of them. It's using Facebook to stock and see what they're up to, how their life is changing. It's, it's talking to them on a regular basis and checking in. We're, I'm an outdoor athlete. My wife and I are, are kayak racers in this area. It's a huge sport in Bellingham. So we're, we're seeing, I'm seeing a good chunk of my list every other weekend and every Wednesday night at the races, right? We do a, we do a very custom uh, newsletter once a month that goes out where we interview one of the people in our sphere with a Q and a, and then, and then we do a how's the market update that goes out to all our sphere every month. We do, we do, I'm going to show you something that we started doing this year. That's just been amazing. We buy these uh, blank bottles of wine and we put our label on them. Okay. We buy these five or six cases at a time. And then this is our touch. We're into these for about $10 a piece. And anytime we have a chance, we, there's a table by the door. And anytime you can grab one and give it to one of our people on the way out the door, just grab it and go. You know, when we get a referral, before we ever see if it ever even turns in anything, we do a handwritten card and a $20 or $25 gift card to a local restaurant. Hey, regardless of the outcome, I want to say thanks so much for the referral. We send that out. So it, those are just some examples we do. Let me give you two more. We do annual live movie events where we have we we rent out a 276 seat theater, and we have the first 276 people who respond. We always fill it up really quickly, but we invite the people with families. We do kid movies, and we uh, we give away a bunch of prizes before the movie starts, and then we watch a movie, and that's been fantastic for us. The first one we have everybody register when they get in the door, so they put down their name and email, and then we can draw from that basket of names for the prizes. The first year we did it, we got 39 referrals from that 276. Now, not every one of them converted, but those were leads that we could follow up on. And then we've got a pretty sweet office here, too. So we've been doing every, really quarterly, what we call a wine and taco social. So we buy, uh, we buy tacos and we buy a bunch of our cases of wine and some extra drinks and stuff. And we invite between 50 and 75 people to come to those just to connect with them. There's no selling going on. There's no, there's no pitch. It's just a, a way of connecting. Those have been amazing for us. So that just gives you a few examples of what we're doing. All right. First of all, before I forget, shout out to Mr. Mike Novak. Uh, I don't know if you know Mike Brandon. He's up in your neck of the woods. Uh, Mike is a freaking stud. Second year in the business, Mike will literally net over a million dollars this year. Wow. Super stoked. Congratulations, Mike. We we'll love having you on. Thanks for watching today. Uh, hey, so Brandon, go a little bit deeper on that client event for me. So 39 referrals from one client event. Tell me specifically yep. what happened at that event and how did you turn that event into uh, 39 referrals? Yeah, so let me give credit where it's due. This is something I learned from Michael Mayer. You must know Michael Mayer, the author of 7L. So he, uh, he introduced me to this concept. 
And the first year we made it, he said, we use, uh, we use what Michael calls his VIP form. And it's just a real quick, you know, you get three or four of them to a page. And it's just a real quick questionnaire. What's your name? What's your contact email? Who's the next person you know who's likely to buy or sell real estate? On a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to refer Brandon Nelson Partners to anybody who's looking to buy or sell? And it's that simple. So it went into a basket. Everybody had to check in or they wouldn't get their movie tickets, right? We set up right now. These are these are very inexpensive events for for the bang that you get. We split the cost of renting this theater with two lenders, our two favorite lenders in town. So we split it three ways. We're into it. Each of us is into it for less than fifteen hundred bucks total. So we rent a. There's a gorgeous twelve or sixteen plex here in our town. We rent a uh, two hundred seventy six seater. We don't do meals. We don't we don't give gift cards for popcorn or coke or anything else it's just the movie tickets and what we do is we pick a a a blockbuster we try to grab a blockbuster new release movie so movies always come out on a friday we rent the theater for saturday morning or saturday 11 o'clock showing or noon showing and this is what you're doing is you're hacking hollywood's marketing dollars by piggybacking on their big hey new release marketing and so what we do is we use evite it's a free invitation system we input our list to it. We put a, uh, we make a graphic with a, a link to the movie trailer so they can see what it is. Because these people have kids, young kids, and they want to make sure it's legit. We've done, um, the first year we did, I want to say uh, it was a Jungle Book. The second year we did, what did we do last year? Beauty and the Beast. But a movie like Frozen, we got one coming up. There weren't any real good ones for us in April of this year, which was when we done in the last few years. So uh, this year we're doing uh, Winnie the Pooh is coming out in, in August. That's going to be our movie event this year. And uh, so we use Evite. It makes it really easy to see everybody RSVPs, you know, who's opened it, who hasn't. You can reping the people who you're really trying to get there. And again, we go for our A-list and then we go for our, the whales that we're also trying to attract into our, into our list, save some seats for them. And then, uh, and then, and you, you want to overbook by, I'm going to say about 5% because some people, even though they promise they're going to be there, some people don't quite show up. And if you have any extra bodies, you just buy them some tickets, send them into another theater. It all works out. So then before the theater, the, the movie, the movie, uh, the theater will start the movie on our queue. It doesn't start at 11 AM, no matter what. So we have the stage as long as we need it. So we bring the whole team. We bring these two lenders. So there's nine of us standing up front there. And we bring a basket of what we do is we, we, we bought a bunch of uh, stuffed animals themed to the movies, Lego sets, coloring books and coloring sets themed to the movies. We bought five Amazon Kindles. Uh, and then we had some, maybe we had some Easter eggs with cash in them, stuff like that. I had a pocket full of cash. And we just started drawing names. And in the front and, and, and celebrating these people who are winning, no, a third of the people in the crowd ended up winning something, you know, so they're all excited. Kids are all excited. And then we've got this basket and, and we go back afterwards and we just go through, you know, later that day, we go through these names and we've got these phone numbers. Hey, my buddy, my neighbors are talking about selling. I'm thinking about selling, whatever it is. And we just follow up on those leads and just go conversion style. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a really slick event. You got it. I mean, for 1500 bucks and you, and yeah. I was going to say, so you're doing one of those a year? How many How many total client events per year are you doing? Okay. You're doing so that one, you're doing the line one. The- we're, doing, we're doing five a year. We're okay. doing quarterly events at our office, and, we're doing, and then we're doing uh, one of these movie events. And, and honestly, a big part of it, Michael, is, is just the market's hot right now, and we are just running 100 miles an hour to keep up with the business. Would I love to be doing these every month? Do we have enough people to support that? I mean, Absolutely. We have enough clients, but you can only, you know, I got young kids, my, my, my crew is busy. We're all busy. So we're, we're, we're kind of maxing out. All right, Brian, I know you've got a question before you do yours real quick. Uh, I wanted to shout out to uh, Sandy Stites. It's good to see Sandy watching today. Thank you, Sandy. We love you. Sandy is a club wealth coaching client uh, down in uh, Menifee, California, uh, who grew from 225000 to what did what, what you what are you guys doing this year? I want to say you guys are doing uh, three point five million or something like that in gross commission income this year uh, in your second full year in coaching with us. So love you, Sandy. Thank you for watching. She wants to know, Brandon, uh, who organizes your events? Uh, Grace, who is our assistant, our admin mm-hmm. front. She it's it, it's exceptionally easy to organize these things. 
So Grace is the one who organizes it. She runs all the Evite and everything else. And then there's two of the, we have a husband and wife team, Jackson and Paulina. And Paulina's very into these as well. She loves events and putting them on and stuff. So she gets involved in, you know, ordering the gifts and deciding the decor and, and, and uh, arranging for the wine and the food. Grace and Paulina run out to Costco and buy a bunch of stuff before our local, our in-office events. But it's, it's, it's not difficult to do. It's actually quite easy to do. The biggest thing is starting your invitation upfront enough, six weeks or so, and then weekly reminders until you get those RSVPs filled up and then just staying in touch with the people. Love it. All right, Brian, go ahead. You had a question. I've got lots of questions. So uh, <laughs> you got a lot of good stuff going on. So uh, just, I want to make sure I've got all the information. You, you have seven agents on your team plus yourself. Is that what I heard? It's six plus me. Six plus you. Okay. Um, I completely understand that uh, events, um, I'm, we're planning one that we're doing June, July 20th. So I get how overwhelming they can be. And um, are you having your agents individually reach out to every person on that list? Because you mentioned Evite. So, um, you know, are, are they doing those phone calls um, for each one or what's your system for simply sending out an Evite? If that works, maybe that's enough. I just wonder what else are you doing? Yeah, first thing we do is we go to each agent. And we say, look, well, there's six of us here, or there's seven of us here. So we allot a certain number of heads that each one can, can invite. Then it's up sure. to them to call their list. We use Evite for the movie event. We don't use Evite for the wine socials. The wine socials is just direct reaching out to people, inviting them, you know, whether that's by phone or text, however they communicate with their people. You know, that's a very easy one to fill up because we're only talking 50, 60 people, right? And so, and it's, and it's everybody, everybody strategically choosing, Hey, who do I need to get in front of right now? You know, let's have them over to this with the movie event though. We absolutely use Evite. And then of course we augment that with, if there's, if there's certain families or certain people that we really want to come or whatever it is, we'll use that as a reason to get on the phone with them. It's, it's very easy to fill these events up. Awesome. Uh, so what's the objective of filling up the event? Because I feel like, you know, this is one of the things I feel that a lot of people miss and, and maybe you'll disagree with me. I don't know. But for me, the important thing is not getting people to come because honestly, that's relatively easy to get someone to come to a free movie. It's pretty easy to get somebody to you know, come for wine or tacos or whatever it is. I mean, there's a gazillion client events that you can do. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, for, for us personally, one of the things that we've missed is that's great. But really what we're trying to do is create a reason to have a conversation with people. So for me, when we do client events, you go out, spend two, three, four, ten thousand dollars $10,000, whatever it is. It's about the ability to call someone and not have that same ridiculous mm -hmm. conversation. You said you were a KW agent, so you probably know, hey, this is Brian. We're having a contest. I want to see how many referrals I can get. I hate stuff like that. It's like the worst script in the world to me. It feels completely selfish. It feels it's all about me. But, hey, I want to give you some free stuff and have a great time. It feels like a much better conversation. And I guess uh, I feel like a lot of people worry about the number of people that show up versus the number of contacts they have. So are you guys really focused on those conversations or are you focused on getting people to show up, I guess? You know, I would say that we have generally a longer term, uh, more spread out outlook on these. Uh, it's a, it's a awesome. great question to ask, but we're, we're even further away from the KW model in, in that we are not looking to have a targeted conversation. And I'm not saying that wouldn't convert to business immediately. What we're looking to do in this town is, is establish a presence as, uh, you know, the celebrity rock star people in this town who give back to the community who provide events because we're because we're doing really well in the business and we appreciate that our clients are the reason for that it is ridiculous how often i run into people who say oh my god your movie event my kids still talk about it and let me touch on that for a second one thing we do the easiest analogy to make is with our greeting cards. So everybody has access to a full drawer of different greeting cards that we get from local photographers, stamps, everything else. Everybody's sending out handwritten cards every day. We have a rule. If there's a kid in the house, send it to the kid. Address it to the kid. My kids are 7 and 10. They get a piece of mail. It's an event. It's a big freaking deal compared to me and mom getting a piece of mail, right? So same thing with these movies. Those kids going to a movie, having some guy at the front of the room throwing out cash and giving away stuffed animals, and they're never going to forget that. And they tell their mom and dad, hey, when's that Brandon Nelson Partners movie event going to come around again? We hear about it all through the year, people talking about the movie events. 
That's what we're doing it for. So then, yeah, it puts us in front of them. And, and you're following up on the first movie for a month or two. And then as you and then as you start to watch, and the nice thing is Hollywood announces what movies are coming out like almost a year in advance. You can tell what's going to be coming out. You can start talking about it. Hey, guys, got any input on what our next one should be? So it, it gets we, we don't want to be talking business directly around these things. We just want to be the people they're thinking of. And, and then as we, as we watch for change in their life, you know, how this, kids are graduating, new kid, new baby, household is expanding, new job, whatever it is, then we're the ones that they're calling. That's, that's why we're, that's why we're 81 last year, 81% repeat and referral. It's, it's a, it's a choice. Is that the way to have the biggest business? Absolutely not. We could do way more if we were spending thousands of dollars on Zillow leads and we have a boomtown account. It, it, it collects dust. You know, we, 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 we do a little bit with it, but it gets in the way of our core business with our, with our repeat and referral clients. All right. Oh, go ahead, Brian. So here's my question. 81% you've measured that. Where's the other 19 coming from? Mm-hmm. Um, everything from, we, we do have, we get a fair bit of business from having almost 300 reviews on Zillow. I encourage everybody to build up that Zillow profile. We don't spend a penny on it, but people actually go on and vet us out and they read the reviews and then they contact us. And the nice thing about those people, they're ready to do business. When those people call us, they say, I've already done my research, Brandon, can you come and list my house? We, of course we get open house meets and we get sign calls and I mean, you're going to get organic uh, strangers finding you one way or another. Um, let me think about anything else that we're doing. Where does our business come from? But essentially none of it's coming from Boomtown. It sounds like we've, we well, Boomtown, Boomtown says you'll start to close deals eight or nine months into it. We're six months into it. I, I, we might've closed one deal. And I know, I know, I know we could print out the list of 30,000 people and we could dial through them. But again, it's just, it's, yes, you can make money that way. It's not what we do here. It's just not our business model. You know, it's a distraction to us. All right. So I want to jump back to a question uh, again from Sandy Stites. And thank you, Sandy, for the great question. She says, have you ever had clients complain about not being invited because they're not on the A list? And if so, how do you respond? No, we've never had that, you know, and I mean, what are you going to (laughs) do? I would say if I had a client so audacious as to say, hey, thanks for nothing, Nelson. You didn't invite me to a movie event. Guess what would be in their mailbox in a FedEx envelope 24 hours later? I mean, that's a simple, you know, some tickets in a, in a $50 you know, dinner card. You know, that's a simple one. But no, I mean, people are reasonable. You know, you got so many seats and, and, and no, we've never had that happen. I don't even know if the other people know that they didn't get invited. How would they know? That's, I guess, another question is, what are you doing in terms of maximizing the exposure from these events? Are you, are you promoting them on social media? Are you, are you sharing uh, pictures uh, in, and or video of the, the event itself on social media? You know, what are you doing to really take that to the next level? Yeah, to, 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 well, to Lisa's point, I guess touche, we really don't because, because we don't want it to feel like an open invitation. And I do see a lot of, I do see a lot of um, realtors doing social media stuff about closed events. And, and it's always been a little counterintuitive to me to do that. Uh, this event is about the 276 people that come through the door and the gifts that they take away with them. And you could, you could, leverage, you could leverage something like this on the social media to the hill. It's, it's not something we've done. Now, I'll tell you, can I tell you about a different program we're doing this year that, has, that, that we are heavily leveraging? Sure. Please. We're doing uh, what's called, and I, I, I forget who I learned this from. It was from another agent at another podcast, but I thought it was just brilliant, and I loved it. Um, we're, do, we're doing what's called the 100 Houses campaign, where when we have hit 100 houses for the year, 100 sides, we're going to make a $10,000 donation to a local organization, nonprofit. So we're putting the agents kick in $50 per closing. The firm kicks in $50 per closing, and when we hit 100, we got 10000 set aside. So we're at uh, 60, I want to say 63 for the year or so. We predicted it would be in about September. That's where it was last year. And we're the same team size this year. So as we're getting closer, now we've had people begin to pick up on that. And now we're doing press release, social media. Hey, tag our Facebook page, tag the name of our firm in a Facebook post. And who do you want to nominate to receive that award? 
we had a local um, a, a local blog that gets a ton of uh, traffic, uh, did a story on it. And so we got calls off that. So that's a heavy, heavily leveraged thing because it's open to the whole community. Okay, are you, what are you doing in terms of agents? Let's talk about agent outreach now. Are you doing anything to kind of deepen those relationships with agents in the market and doing outreach to them as well? As far as recruiting goes? Not even recruiting, just building relationships. With, so I'm, I just want to be clear. You're asking if I am doing anything to build relationships with other agents in this market. Absolutely. Not necessarily. Okay, why not? We have a bottleneck right now. So we get... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be realistic here. I'm going to say we get, um, an agent or a couple of agents every two weeks who comes to us and wants to join the team. I mean, it's an incredible honor to have that. I did not think big enough when I bought our current office. And so we could grow by three more heads here, but then we're going to be pretty maxed out. So my challenge right now is to find the next space that lets me go to, you know, 50, whatever it is. And, the, and there again, I know it's whatever number I hit, it's not going to be big enough, you know? So I'm in that logistical puzzle right now of where can I go that I can keep growing? Cause I'm absolutely like feeling like I'm in a straight jacket because I can't hire right now. Mm-hmm. So I'd, love, I'd love to talk about that for a second, Brandon. And, uh, it, and I'm not in any way trying to challenge your, your belief system, but my question would be, why do you need space for an agent? <laughs> Okay, great question. And, and, and let me defer to you guys and your, your, what you're doing your, with your coaching and also the, the volume of business you're doing and everything else. I, I am I'm not even remotely in that, in that same place or same level as you guys. But to your question, we have a team model here. We have a split. We have a certain, we have a certain uh, ethos that what's provided to the firm for that split. And to take on someone who has a remote office or, or, or something like that would force me in my head to alter that, that split. And then if I have a second model, uh, then why wouldn't my current agents go, well, they got a better deal and I don't really need an office. So I'm just going to go there. I mean, so those are my limiting beliefs. Fair enough. You know, and, and not that there's no right or wrong. Um, I was a KW agent for a long time. And when I had a KW office, we had enough space for our staff to sit. And that's where it was. Everybody else was basically remote, except for one day a week, we'd have a meeting. I do have my own brokerage now. It's kind of like you. I, I said, you know what, there's makes a lot of sense to go out and be on my own. It gives me that leverage and a lot of good things that come with it. Um, we have space. I was just curious because, you know, a lot of people, you know, I thought maybe you were going to say, well, because we have team and we need the space for them and they, we, we lead generate to get whatever. So maybe if you don't mind, because here's the thing, your team is different than mine, but I think actually, if you look at it, we did about the same amount of volume last year. So that doesn't make, and even if we didn't, one team's not better than the other, there's different. And if you're an agent out there who's listening to this, look, my way is my way. Brandon's way is his way. My way is not better than his and his isn't better than mine. It's what works for each of us. So, you know, if I am an agent on your team, if you don't mind, tell me a little bit about what my day looks like. Yep. So uh, everybody here lists and sells. Okay. So we, we decided we started, I started off when I was small, I was a listing agent. My buyer's agent was a buyer's agent exclusively. And the next uh, three hires that I made, we kept that same model. I didn't like that. I didn't like where that was going. I didn't like that. They just put on the blinders of how do you list houses? And I felt like also working with buyers really helps you get calibrated when you go to talk to sellers because you know more about what seller, you know, buyers are going to be looking for. So I decided to remove the specialty model and go with realtors, agents, anybody can list and sell. Okay. So when these guys, everybody in here, I love this. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has this, uh, philosophy of nobody in his, he says, nobody in his immediate uh, C-class team is he would switch places. If all of a sudden the roles were reversed and they were in charge and he was in their seat, he'd say, I'll take it. Right. These are awesome people. I'll take it. I feel that way about my team as well. They are just exceptional people. We don't have accountability issues. We don't have work ethic issues. We don't have client complaints. So everybody's just killing it, which I want to, I want to ride this as long as I can. Let's be honest. So these guys are in, I'm usually, I usually get here just before nine. I'm usually the third or fourth one in the building. So they're here early, two handwritten cards a day. They've already done there. We have some habits that they do. They write down on the full sheet of paper. 
I enjoy making $1,047,000 a year. I enjoy making $1,047,000 a year. Whatever their goal is for the year, they're two handwritten cards. And then they're, they're jumping into their follow-up boss and they're getting busy, you know, customer service calls. And then it's on to appointments in this market right now. And, and if there are any new agents listening out there, I got in the market in 2007, eight, as it was crashing when it became really difficult to sell. I did two houses my first year, seven my second year, and then I did 20, 25 for my next few years. This market is, is so ridiculously uh, abundant with, with, with sales and everything else. There, winter's coming on some level. And, and it just, and I, even to my agents, I'm like, guys, don't, don't think that this is how it's going to be. Don't think that every listing is going to sell in three, four days, you know, like this forever. This is not usual. Right. But, uh, but nonetheless, for right now, we're just, just freaking running. This is my, I'll show you my, uh, see these clipboards up here. That's our pending sales. We just keep, uh, that's my, that's my high tech system. Each one of those is what's called a transaction calendar. It's got the projected income and everything else on it, all the parties and everything else. But that's our pennings. We keep between 14 and 28 deals pending at any given time. And there's a lot of customer service that goes along with that if you're running a repeat and referral business. So that's, honestly, that's what we're doing. We spend a lot of time serving these freaking deals and these clients. We're not, we're not in here doing the KW style 10 to noon, 500 mojo dials or, or, or whatever that is, you know, and should we be more deliberate? Maybe, maybe we probably should, but, but we're, we're just holding the tiger by the tail right now in this market. Okay. So I got two things I want to jump in on. <clears throat> Number one is the space issue. Uh, and so when it comes to the space issue, uh, you know, we ran, I'm, I'm down here in Bonnie Lake. I'm not too far South from you. And, and uh, when we sold, we had 44 people working out of our house. Uh, and, and that's a little insane. And, and yeah, I wouldn't, you know, had I had to do over again, I would have got office space earlier in the game. Uh, but the reality is the agents never came over. Like the agents were never there. They were out selling real estate. And on average, you know, they were doing a ton of business. I mean, you know, we were doing well over hundred transactions a month with 16 agents. And so uh, these guys were out there in the field selling houses. So they didn't need a space in the office. So my advice to you and to anybody watching would be don't let space hold you back because it's definitely not something that should hold you back. Um, and, uh, and I told the friend what my second thing was, it was, uh, it was the office space. And I, how did I do that? Like it just, well, let me, Michael, can I ask you, can I ask you a couple yeah. questions on that? Tell me Absolutely. about your, tell me about your, you know, your, your revenue, your split model with those agents at the time, just so I have a idea. And that's another thing is in, it doesn't have to impact your splits. If, if the value proposition that you have is the space you provide, that's not a value proposition. Not a good one. Yeah. They're going to get space everywhere, right? It doesn't matter what company they're with. They're going to get space pretty much anywhere. Yep. Um, and, and agents don't need or want space generally. Uh, is it nice to have a space where you can gather and you can get together on a regular basis, whether it's for call nights or for team meetings or whatever? Absolutely. But space is not a prerequisite for success. Um, you know, because you can go to your mortgage company's office or anywhere else to, to get access to a conference room. Um, that being said, splits for us, we were, you know, we, we had different splits. Um, and Sandy's right. She's like, Michael always says, don't let anything hold you back. You're right, Sandy. It's absolutely true. Uh, anyway, that being said, um, when it comes to splits, I had a graduated split. Um, and so it depended on who, who was doing what. Our listing agents made uh, a lower split than the other agents did. But they also were listing between, well, on the low end, 10 houses a month. Usually they were listing more like 15 houses a month. And we had a couple that were doing as many as 18 to 21 houses a month. Um, so they were all making really good income, but the splits were a little bit lower. So our, our listing agent splits, uh, if I remember right, I think we were at 30 or 35%. <clears throat> excuse me. Right now, what we're seeing a lot of teams do is they're between 20 and 30, excuse me, 25 and 35%. Seems to be pretty uh, common for a listing agent split. The buyer agent splits, and by the way, we do believe very much in a segmented model um, where you know you're you're either really awesome as a listing agent or you're really awesome as a buyer's agent. But generally speaking, you're probably not both. Now it's different if I'm dealing primarily with referred clients. Well, that's different, right? Uh, you know, heck, a referred client anybody can go list that or anybody can go sell them a house. Those are the easiest lay down leads there are. Um, but if I got to go out on a cold listing appointment and I'm not a rock star listing agent, I, I got a problem, right? That's going to be a challenge for me. Um, and so 
That said, our buyer agent splits, uh, I, I believe our graduation started at 40%. They got on the when transactions one and two a month. Uh, they got 40% on transactions three and four. They got 45 transactions five and up. They got 50. Um, and our buyer's agents would, you know, they would list or excuse me, they would sell. I would say our typical buyer's agent was right around five units a month. Um, so they were making good money. Um, but the other question, I just, I just remembered what my other question for you was. So five years ago, 61% of the average agent's business came from repeat and referral and sphere of influence clients. Uh, that number today has dropped to below 44%. Um, and a lot of that has to do with more consumers, 90, what is it, 92 or 98? I can't remember the exact number. It's not, I want to say it's 98% of, I'll, I'll have to look it up to be sure, but I think it's 98% of all buyers start their search online. And 72% of, the, of those people work with the first agent they encounter. So that's having a huge impact on repeat referral business because these people are selecting an agent before their friends even know they're moving. Yep. So how, how are you guys planning for that going forward? That's, that's, you know, we've seen it here. Absolutely, we've seen it. Uh, the number of agents in, in this county has doubled in the past three years. We've gone from 550 to 1,100. Okay, so there's a ton more agents in it, I mean, which is a lot for this, this county. And, uh, and, and we absolutely see it. My conversion rate on listing appointments from even, even with referrals has, has declined. You know, right. now, they're, now they're saying, well, there's, there's, this guy will do it for 1%. Yeah. He's got, so let me, let me stop there for one second. Can I ask each of you guys, what are you carrying to your bottom line from your GCI with your, uh, with your current businesses? I don't think I understand the question. He's wondering what your profit margin after your one point gross revenue. Yeah, mine runs anywhere from about twenty nine to about thirty three. Is that and what, can I ask? Is that pre tax? That's pre paying Uncle Sam. Okay, okay. So we're in the same. Mine after tax is twenty two percent. So I'm in that same exact. You know, twenty nine, thirty, thirty two or so with with our business. Here's the um, goal, where you want to be on the very, very low end, like a, a team that's highly inefficient and or in a lower price market. And that's the thing that Brian fights, right? Because Brian's average price points are very low. Um, and so he's got to do a lot more transactions and every every transaction has incremental costs. Um, and so that's why he's going to be a little bit lower in the spectrum. But if I'm in a higher price point market, my goal should be between 32 and 38% profitability. Uh, okay. Pre-tax. Pre-tax. Yep. Yep. Okay. I can see that. Yep. Yep. And there's a couple things that we're doing this year that aren't bringing us business that are costing a fortune. So once we wipe those, we'll, uh, yeah, we will be in those numbers, but, um, it's hard to get, here's the thing. It doesn't happen all at once. And it's, especially if you're in that growth mode and, and it sounds like you are, it sounds like you're in that early growth stage where you're building your business up. And as you're in that growth mode, your profitability is going to be smaller. Right. As totally. you're on agents and you're filling that pipeline, you're building a bigger and bigger and bigger pipeline. Well, guess what? That costs money. Right. For and sure. So might be down in that 18 to 25 percent range on net profitability, uh, you know, pre-tax. Uh, but that said, that same business, as that business matures, will will by nature, even if you don't go in and cut a bunch of expenses, by nature, it will start to increase in profitability particularly as you start doing more business by referral. Uh-huh. Yeah. So back to your question, what are we doing? I, I, it's a question I ask myself probably 20 times every day. What, how are we going to handle the disruption that is obviously happening mm -hmm. in this business? I also wonder, is it, is it specific to this current market, this very hot sellers market? Is it going to taper when those 1,100 agents go back down to 600 as the market softens? Is it, is it going to change back? But the, the, the best answer I've been able to come up with and what we're striving to do is be that much more in front of our people who we know will send us business or who are most likely to send us business. So we're, so they don't, they don't forget about us and they don't ever have to ask, well, Brandon, I haven't heard from you in three, six months. So I just assumed I would use Redfin instead. You know, it's, it's, it, everybody wants it to be rocket science. Man, it is not rocket science. That's what we found. It's about being the person that they most recently spoke with on a meaningful level and keeping them informed. The store is open and we know what the heck we're doing. 
And Brandon, one of the things I definitely hear, and I don't know if you, you're doing this consciously or it's just something that's intuitive to you, but you've got a law of reciprocity working for you. I give and I give and I give. And whether I want to or not as a human being, I feel I feel bound to that. I feel bound to the person who gives and gives and gives to me. And that's what I hear from you. And, you know, that's not just I'm having a great client event so my kids get to see Winnie the Pooh. That's during the real estate transaction. It was an amazing transaction for me. There was you know, a concierge type feel. And, you know, if there's one thing that, you know, people can hear out there, you know, if you're not sure where your next deal is coming from, remember, and this is real hard when you start in the business. And, and I remember being there, it's like, yeah, it's great that I got this deal that's going to come three years from now because I did an amazing job with this client. But what am I going to do to eat next month? Well, mm -hmm. unless you plan on being out of the business next, you know, in, in three years, you have to start thinking about three years from, you know, today. And that's what I hear that you're doing. And I've got to imagine that, you know, I always say it's very challenging to scale a referral business. But that being said, you know, each year you get more and more closings. And I'm assuming that you're going to take all of those people and add them to your list, you know, and it's an exponential growth is, is my guess is what you've seen. And, you know, when you talk about doing 20 transactions a year, and now you're talking about doing 150, 180 transactions a year, that's exponential growth. And, you know, where you've gotten now, and if you continue to do it, I, I can see that continuing to ex exponentially grow. So here was my question for you, though, is you mentioned this kind of at the beginning is, and it was kind of a chuckle that, hey, maybe I need to be out of production a little bit more. Uh, talk a little bit about what your challenges are, because I can tell you, I looked at my GCI from the first five months of this year versus my GCI from the first month personal. And mine was $120,000 less this year than last year. And that was on purpose. But when I saw that number, it scared me to death. I was like, okay, we're fine. But oh my God, did I just give away $120,000? And I said, no, I, you know, I, I'm moving to a, a, a business instead of just being the, the winner. At one point in time, and I'm going to guess like you, I, I outsold my entire team. That's no longer true. So, you know, what, what's that transition been like for you? And, and what are some, some road bumps that you you've had to face? So I'm, uh, I'm, even though I'm sort of entrepreneurial, I'm not a risk taker. I'm, uh, I, I like to do things in relative comfort and control. And I have been scaling slowly. Uh, I don't want to say scale, scale modeling, um, taking kind of baby steps towards more higher touch, or I, let me say my closer A plus clients, I've been slowly handing them over confidently to my agents and just saying, you know what, guys, I, honestly, they are more calibrated. They're more on top of what's going on. They're better at staging. They're going to take care of you. In the three years or five years or whatever it's been that I've been uh, operating as a team, I could count on one hand the number of clients who've said, no, 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 no. We want you, only you. You're the only one who can do it. Literally, I could count on one hand. And yet, I'm still, I just have this hang up of of it's part management by walking around and staying in the business. So I know what's going on. It's part fear of my clients saying, wait a second, your name's on the firm. We don't want one of these people. It's just, I would, I would love for somebody to beat me over the head. Maybe it's one of you guys and just strike me with lightning and say, freaking stop going on appointment. You know, I'm so ready for that, but I've not been able to do it. So here's an interesting thing. I actually had a, uh, a coaching client and they said to me, I don't, I don't want to go on appointments anymore. And I said, okay, so let's take a look at it. And maybe this will help you one way or another. I said, you know, how many hours do you spend on that appointment? You know, they said, okay, I'll spend an hour, maybe, maybe an hour and a half. And then, you know, after that, how many hours do you have in it? You know, you know, they, they had a, a higher estimation than me personally. Cause honestly, when I look at it, after I sign the paperwork, me personally, I probably have two hours hours left in that transaction. Yeah. And that's realistic because, you know, I have staff, I have people who are, I don't take the pictures. I don't stage the house. I don't do any of that stuff. So here was the thing for me. It's like, until my hour, my dollar per hour could justify it, I couldn't get out. And, and that's where, that's where it becomes challenging because, you know, you can go make $3,000 an hour. It, it really challenges that. So, you know, for me, I had to accept that I had to make a choice that it was also not just a dollar per hour, but it was deciding that it was going to be okay. Because the other thing is my, my agent's going to get that, right? If you give that referral to your agent, they're still going to get it. You give that past client to your agent, they're still going to get it. So 
initially I was like, I'm losing $3,000 an hour. No, realistically I'm losing, you know, $2,000, you know, maybe a thousand dollars an hour, but what else can I go do? And for me, the answer was I can go recruit more people. I can train more people. I can get my agents just producing here to here. And I can do that leverage. You know, we have team meetings, we have team trainings, we have call nights, all those things that we can leverage. And, and I actually had to sit down and, and explain that to myself. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, take a look at what's the most effective use of your time and, and, and you know, make that decision. So anyone listening out there, you know, if you're not, if those are the kind of numbers that you need to look at, not just go, I don't feel like doing this anymore. And I feel like that's a big push in our industry. I don't feel like doing this anymore. And then the big thing, and, and tell me if you've experienced this some, is I wasn't a hundred percent sure to what to do with all my free time, which really wasn't that free, but you know, I had to be more organized. It's easy to say I got an appointment at two, three, and five. Therefore, that's what my day looks like. Now I've got a block of time from two to five that I have to do tasks in, that I have to be effective with, I have to be efficient with. And that's hard because I'm not used to doing that as much as I used, you know, it, it, it's easy to go on appointment, bang, 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 bang. So, you know, how have you dealt with that as, you, as you've reduced some of your stuff? Oh, man, I am, uh, I am, I am chomping at the bit. I have so many uh, growth projects uh, in front of me, entrepreneurial projects that relate to the business. I'm not looking in any way to get out of real estate. I just want to shift my, I want to shift dealing with buyers and sellers to dealing with agents, you know, like you guys have done. Those are my customers now, you know, my clients. And uh, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I'm an early riser and I'm a morning routine guy and a fitness guy. And, and then it's, and then it's, and then it's all about getting in here and trying to put the distraction of working with buyers and sellers aside enough to do the, the repetitive marketing things. I mean, I've got a video studio set up. I I've not found time to, I've not made the time yet to be really consistent with video production. And I mean, I've got, I get YouTube subscribers constantly from a, a small series of videos I did. I get new subscribers every other day. I've got a video with 50,000 views on it. And so, man, I want to get back to that. But that takes, the one minute video takes two hours to put together, you know, and uh, loving to get back to that stuff. But man, I, I am, I am, if, if one of you guys has the, the, the sentence or, or the insight that would just allow me to stop going on appointments, that's what I'm. Well, here's, here's the key. I'll, I'll tell you what you do. Yeah, yeah. Go grab a copy of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant and sure. really understand what he's, you know, that, that's one of the greatest books of all time, I think, written in terms of, uh, you know, how do I progress in my career, regardless of whether it's real estate or whatever. You know, he talks about starting off as an employee, and then eventually you're self-employed, and then eventually you become a business owner, and then you become an investor. And, yep. and, and particularly right now, for most real estate agents, they are self-employed. Right, the vast majority of real estate agents yes. out there are self-employed. They think they run a business, but they really don't, right? Because the, the kind of the difference between self-employed and being a business owner is, you know, if I went on vacation for two months, what's my business look like when I came back? If I didn't touch the business while I was gone, the reality is, for most agents, they wouldn't have any business when they got back. Uh, you know, and by the way, this goes for whether you're the team leader or a member of a team, you know, there's leverage that you can have by being a member of a team that you can't get as a solo agent. Uh, so we say solo, sometimes it means so low agent, (laughs) but the reality is that if I want to transition to being a business owner, now I'm trading ideas for dollars instead of trading time for dollars. When you go on appointments, Brandon, you're trading time for dollars. Yep. Uh, but when, you, when you're when you leading your team and when you're focused in, on working on the business as opposed to working in the business, now you're trading ideas for dollars. And eventually, as you make enough of those dollars, then you take those dollars, you invest them in real estate, now you become an investor and your money makes you money instead of you making you money. And that's kind yep. of... That's the goal, right? That's how you get out of the rat race, so to speak, is you get those passive investments making more than your your monthly expenses every month. So let me just share a quick win. Today, actually, right after this, my wife and I are going uh, uh, into a close on uh, uh, two duplexes that we're buying today. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Super Congratulations. Yeah. One of them's for my daughter. One of them's for my son. And as long as they help take care of them for the next few years, that'll be their, their launch at, you know, 18, 20 years old. That's awesome. That's good. I like it. Sandy's like trading ideas for dollars. That's money. 
I love it. That's but it's true, right? Like you've got to get to that point. You've, and, and by the way, you do go backwards every time there's growth. And this is where people get hung up, right? When I have the most growth in my life, doesn't matter what I'm doing. It always comes at a cost, right? So usually you take a step backwards before you take those 10 steps forwards. But so many people have, have extended their lifestyles well into and even beyond their means that they can't afford to take that step backwards to take 10 steps forwards. You know, so they can't afford to say, well, I'm going to have somebody on my team handle these transactions now so that I can focus on the bigger picture and, and on growing the team or doing whatever else I need to do. And the reason I think a lot of it happens is because, again, they're living paycheck to paycheck. So my advice to everybody would be, you know, if you're watching this right now, get small in your personal life, right? Start shrinking those personal expenses as much as you can. You know, go become like uh, Coach K. Snockenauer, right? Who this guy, this guy literally lives, he makes a ton of money selling real estate. He makes a ton of money investing in real estate. And he and his family live on his wife's income as a teacher. So they have stayed small as they've grown all this other stuff. That guy will be retired long before anybody, any of us know. Uh, But why is that? Because he's willing to sacrifice what what most people think they want today for what he and his family want long term, which is they don't want to have to work, right? They want to get out of the rat race entirely. So let me just, so Brian, you're not in production anymore. Is that correct? No, that's not correct. I mean, um, you know, past clients call me and they say, hey, Brian, you know, come list my house and, and I'll do that. So like I say, first quarter, so first quarter last year, or first five months, and that's because I didn't look through June. First five months last year, I personally made $172,000. And then this first five months of this year, I made $50,000. So, you know, and if you, it's so that's funny. Progress, by the way. Yeah. And for the first time in my life, I stood in front of my team and I said, guys, this year, my goal is to sell less real estate. And of course, they're like, what are you talking about? I said, personally. So, but the opportunity for me was to push that forward. And, you know, you, you said, give me a, an, an, an idea that you can use to get out of production. Here's one. Next month, I'm going to live in another state for an entire month. It's really hard to sell real estate if you live in another state. And so, you know, there's an example of something that you can literally do and say, okay, I'm going to take me and my family and I'm going to uproot us for a month and we're going to go live in another state. So I feel relatively confident that I won't personally list any houses. Who knows? I might. I mean, I can list over the phone. I've done that. But realistically, you know, I'm setting aside and it's about priorities for us, the ability to go and say, this is the most important thing right now. And for me, the most important thing is to develop training and develop the ability for our team to grow. And, you know, because, you know, when I look at you and I don't know if you've taken a look at this number, but you know, there's a value and and I don't want to monetize people because that's not, not the objective here, but each agent is worth X number of dollars to you per year on average. So theoretically you can take that number of agents. If you double that number of agents, then you make double the amount of money. Now it's not quite that simplistic. Anyone who's out there don't, don't believe it's quite that simplistic, but up to a certain point, you know, and this is one of the things that, that I learned the hard way was realistically having eight agents was no more expensive than having four. Now, eventually you get to a point where I've got to hire another person on staff and then I've got to, you know, do other things. But there's a point where you're like, wow, it doesn't cost any more money. And here's the thing that helped me because I changed my goals. My goals are to help more people have what they want today versus it used to be, I want to run a business so I can make lots of money. And and that's fine. And there's a lot of great things that come with making a lot of money. Obviously you're doing very well. Um, But really today it's about how do I help more people be successful? And the reward for that is tenfold over getting a big check. Um, You know, and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a nonprofit organization. Don't get me wrong. But ultimately at the end of the day, if I can help more people get to their goals, Zig Ziglar says the more people you help get what they want, the more likely you are to get what you want. And it's such a better way to live my life than, Hey, let me go to list another house, sell another house, do all this stuff. And so, just trying to help people become better agents, become better people and have our clients be more satisfied. That makes us more money. And I don't have to go sell if I can do those things. Yeah. Agreed a hundred percent. Every, everybody at my firm makes very, very good money. And that is, that is so satisfying. And, and to, to hand them over to a client an A-list, one of my clients, 
And at the end, have that person come back and say, I didn't know an agent could be so good. I honestly didn't know real. I just heard that last week. And that made me, God, that made me feel so good. Amazing. So here, real quick, we're running out of time. We've only got a few minutes left. There's something I want to make sure that we cover, though, before we wrap up. So rapid fire, Brandon, I want you to, so, you know, as we look at, you know, how you wow a client in the transaction, right? So there's got to be different points in the transaction where you do things that go above and beyond, that make them feel special, that that really help you solidify all this referral business that you're getting. So I'm curious, uh, just in literally, you've got literally two minutes Share with us, rapid fire, the things that you do throughout a transaction that are those wow type of items. Okay, real quick. Start from the first contact, right? They call it speed to lead, but just speed to response. I don't care if it's a hundred time repeat client of yours. When they reach out to you, make it a point. Even if you don't know what to say back, just say, hey, I got your call. I got your text. I don't have time right now, but I'll get back to you. Let them know you got it, number one, okay? Number two, five minutes early is on time. On time is late. Okay. Five minutes early is on time. On time is late. Never forget that. Start using that with every single one of your appointments. Okay. That's what people expect in a professional. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. One of the biggest game changers that we have experienced at my firm is by producing what we call a transaction calendar. As soon as we reach mutual acceptance, we take that 18 page purchase and sale agreement. We extract out the five or six deadlines and important contingencies, right? And we put those on one page. We summarize that whole transaction onto one page. And I'm looking at one right now. It starts with the address. It's got buyer, buyer's agent, seller, seller's agent, who's doing title and escrow, and is there a lender and who is it? Then it's got dates, okay? And this, this is what happens on this date. By this date, this must happen. This is when we close. This is possession. We send that to everybody involved in the transaction, the other agent, the lender, escrow. So everybody's on the same page. Every single time we do that, we get feedback. Oh my gosh, I wish everybody did this. This is amazing. Okay. Real estate transaction management is a process of, of organizing who will do what by when. Who will do what by when. Your job as the agent is to communicate that as if you're dealing with a bunch of smart third graders all the time right? We make it really, really, really easy how to, to just keep on top of that stuff. No matter what, everybody's our client. The other agents are client. Their client is our client. We want to make, I don't care. I'm a closer, right? We're going to get to that point. Okay. As we get closer to closing, we send out an email. Hey, your escrow signing's coming up. Here's how much time to budget. Here's exactly what to bring. Okay. And here's the questions that they're going to ask you that I want to make sure you have the answers to where to wire the money and how to do that. Right. We send out another email. Hey, your utility companies are going to need your info and the other party is going to need to be taken off those accounts. Here's the utility numbers name or the utility providers name. Here's their phone number. Make it really easy for them to make those calls. Okay. As soon as we get through inspection, we send them a uh, a contact number for a locally owned truck rental company. And we say, Hey guys, we have an intimate relationship with fountain rentals. Your truck is on us. All you have to do is call them and reserve it. Instead of owning a moving truck, we pay $79 to use one of the other companies. They can choose 14 or 24 feet. They can keep it up to two days and 200 miles. And all they have to do is top off the gas tank when they're done. We've sent so much business to this refer this rental company Guess who they refer when they're ready to buy or sell real estate? We've got tons of referrals back from them. So that's been a great thing for us. Okay. And then we always ask for a review for, we tell people in the front end in the first meeting, we say, guys, we have two goals. Our goal is to, is that this entire transaction is a job interview for future business. When we close, we want you to be so thrilled with our service. You'd never think about calling anybody else. I'm going to tell you that right up front. Number two, I want you to genuinely write us a five-star review when we're done with this. And I'm going to ask you to do that. Okay. So we get to closing. We ask them for that review. And then we take that review. We print it. We put it in a greeting card and we send it to the person who referred them to us. We say, just want to let you know how well we took care of your referral. Okay? So those it. are just a few of the things that we do. 
I, I love it. I typed a bunch of those in, and uh, I hate to do this to you. We are literally out of time. We've got to get on another webinar right now with our coaches. But uh, seriously, Brandon, really appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> Brian did something very similar. Yeah, we both typed up a bunch of those. Love it. All right. So thank you very, very much, Brandon, for taking the time to share with us today and, and uh, be with us today. We appreciate it. And uh, Brian, as always, thank you very much. Uh, Ten-second wrap-up, Brian. I'm going to steal some of your stuff. I'm going to steal the, the summary of the transaction calendar. That is an amazing idea. We do something, but it's not nearly at the level you are. And, uh, you know, it's just proof you can learn anybody out there. If you think you know it all, you're wrong. You can learn stuff from everybody. And there's a couple other takeaways. But that transaction calendar, that's an awesome idea. Shoot me an email and I'll send you our template. Awesome. Uh, thank you for that. And Ryan, if you could share that with me when you're done as well, that'd be awesome if you could grab that. And uh, so, Brandon, last parting thought before we wrap up. We got to go. Um, I'm, I'm challenged by you guys. I mean, you've definitely made me think outside the box and, and I'm, I'm going to set a goal for myself to in the next, uh, for the last six months of this year, I'm going to deliberately, um, hand off more and more of my clients that aren't, you know, a list from last year or whatever, and just keep moving towards that. And I'm also going to think about remodeling my current space to uh, be able to, I'm going to turn it into a classroom rather than several offices so I can have 50 people right here. Love it. I love it. All right. Well, you guys, thank you so much for watching again. It's Michael Hellickson with Club Love Coaching and Consulting. Uh, shout out to our, our sponsor, Wise Hire. We freaking love those guys. Go to clubwealth.com forward slash wise, W-I-Z-E, hire uh, for all your recruiting needs. And don't forget to sign up for our podcast at clubwealth.com forward slash TV. Have a great day, everybody. And remember, inside you, there's a world-class beast just dying to eat out. You got to unleash that beast. Have a great one.